Well, hi there, friend. And this episode is part three of our three-part mini-series around career planning. And for this one, what I did is just something a little bit fun. I went into my modules uh, for the Powerful Presence Society. That's the group coaching program that I run. And I pulled out most of one of the modules, one of my favorite modules, which is about strengths and leading from your strengths and developing your strengths. And so I'm going to play uh, most of the module. I cut out some of the bits that you don't really need since you're not in the program right now. But I'm, I'm playing back for you some information about how to identify your strengths, why leading from strengths is so valuable, as well as some tips on what you can do when you've identified your strengths. So I want you to have a listen and in the context of this career planning is that because I want you to be thinking about operating from your strength um, and really leaning into your strengths and that is such a powerful way to approach your career planning. And for those of you who want to go even further with all of this, we have a, a, a vision board workshop coming up. So that's on March 26th. And I would love to see you there. It'd be so much fun. We're definitely going to be coming at it from a place of strength, a place of vision, a place of where you want to go. So if that's of interest, head on over to themintambition.com slash vision and sign up. It's March 26th. We go at, we start at 10 a.m. Eastern for three hours we're putting aside some time in in our days uh to to really dig into that vision and to who we want to be and how we can live that vision and we'll be coming at it from a place of strength so with that here is your episode all about leading from strength enjoy well hey there I'm Liz St. Jean, and this is the Unruly Leadership Podcast, where I help subject matter experts like you design a career you love on your terms. We're going to talk presence, productivity, career, and having it all. Unruly Leadership is where strategy meets intuition to help you break the rules, ignore the rules, and make your own damn rules in your life and career. Or, as my four-and-a-half-year-old would say, we're going to take over the world. So to start us off with some of the philosophy and history um, of the strengths movement, we need to talk about Don Clifton. He is the psychologist who is responsible for bringing forward the strengths-based movement. He was, in fact, recognized by the American Psychological Association as, quote, the father of strengths-based psychology and the grandfather of positive psychology. So his story is that he had been teaching psychology in the U.S. in the 1950s and 1960s. And as he was teaching and doing his research, he became more and more frustrated that most psychology and most psychology of education was operating from a place of dysfunction. He didn't like that it was operating from a place of deficit. Because what he was really passionate about was understanding what made people excellent. 
what drove success, not failure, what drove success. So he began studying and it it turned into a really massive research project to understand what made successful people successful. And it was this project uh, that led to the extremely famous assessment tool, Clifton Strengths 34, which as an aside, you might've heard of it under their old branding, Gallup Strengths Finder. It's the same tool, just slightly different branding. And uh, Clifton Strengths is, is based on Don Clifton's research. When he and with Gallup, when they did their research on what makes people successful, what they found was that they, they could group success under 34 distinct natural talents. And so what the Clifton Strengths 34 does, it, it, it assesses the unique order of those talents for you. Um, and most importantly, that assessment identifies your top five talents that you have. And I mention this because we'll be coming back to it since as part of this module in this week, you'll be doing the Clifton Strengths 34 assessment. But before we get to that, let's talk a bit more about the philosophy of the strengths-based approach. So based on Clifton's work, he became an advocate against being well-rounded. As he says, at an early age, you started hearing you started hearing it. It's a virtue to be, quote, well-rounded. They might as well have said, become as dull as you possibly can be. He went on to say, when we studied them, excellent performers were rarely well-rounded. On the contrary, they were sharp. And what he meant by that is that what he found in his research and then with Gallup, with their research, that all the top performers were people who had significant strength in just a handful of areas. They were not good at everything. They did not have natural talent at everything. What he found was that the best performers, the highest top performers, they were the ones who had focused on developing their natural talents into strength. And this is what led to the strengths philosophy, which is you are most successful when you hone your natural talent into strength. Now, Clifton said, what leaders have in common is that they each really know their strengths. They've have developed their, they have developed their strengths and they can call on the right strengths at the right time. So what's interesting is if a strengths approach is about developing your talent, then let's talk for a moment about those talents. So first off, how you can tell if you're operating from a place of natural talent is that it feels easy. It feels like there's just a flow to what you're doing. It's not hard. It's not forced. It feels natural. So if you think on different tasks or activities that you really enjoy, the kinds of things that you can find yourself getting lost in, there's a good chance that those involve your natural talents. And what's really interesting is I found from working with my clients is that most people don't even realize their talents are talents. They often end up thinking of the talent as just being something about their personality or something that's normal for anyone, like kind of like a character trait for that most people have. And what's really interesting too, is that when that happens, what you're really doing is you're, you're taking your talent for granted. If you just think of it as being part of your personality, you're not giving your talent the credit it actually deserves. And what often ends up happening is that you're not deliberately developing that talent into a strength because you just kind of take it for granted as it being part of who you are. 
So let's talk a little bit more um, about talent. So doing a recap. So talent is your most natural way of approaching a task or a situation. Again, it's what comes easily to you. Whether or not you are skilled in it, whether or not you actually do it well, because if you do it well, it's a strength. When it comes to, when it comes naturally, it's your raw talent, whether or not you do it well. So let's take a minute and go a little bit more closer into the difference between talent and strength. So talent is defined by Clifton Strengths as a natural way of thinking, feeling, or behaving. They're the innate natural abilities you can productively apply. Strength, on the other hand, is the ability to consistently provide near perfect performance. And what would what is the equation for going from talent to strength, you might ask? I'm so glad you did ask. So the equation is talent multiplied by investment is what leads to strength. And so that leads to the question, well, what kind of investments will lead to a strength? There are three core investments to move your talent to a strength. So first is deliberate practice. Uh, There's a a common misconception out there, you may have heard it, that if you spend 10,000 hours on something, you are considered an expert in it. Unfortunately, that was not precisely what the original research said. The original research behind that 10,000 hours is that when someone spends 10,000 deliberately and productively practicing, that's when they become an expert. Which leads to the second point focusing on developing skill around your talent because it's not enough to simply practice. You may have heard the term practice makes perfect. Unfortunately, that also is not true. Practice simply makes permanent. What you want to do is develop your skill. And what that means is that you take t- you take time to assess, to receive feedback, uh, whether that feedback is through self-reflection or you ask for external feedback from someone else. And then the third investment is to build up your knowledge base of information about the skill or talent. So even right now in this program, you've been building up a huge amount of knowledge about how to develop yourself on top of all the specific topics we've covered from energy leadership through to this week on strengths. And to really develop that talent into a strength, you need to continuously work on practicing, developing, and building your knowledge base. But here, I'm going to stop for a moment. <laughs> there is, there's a really common misconception about the strengths approach. You might see this out there in you know, a Forbes article kind of style or someone's blog. The myth is that in a strengths approach, you ignore your weaknesses. And this is actually not true. Um, there is nothing in the strengths approach, um, either generally or the Clifton Strengths approach specifically, that says you should ignore weakness. And what I, I like to really point out is that there's a difference between talent and skill. So with the Clifton strengths, they often use a lot of the same words for talent that you might think of as a skill. So for example, one of their talents is communication. Now, if you're anything like me, you may or may not be, but for me, communication as a talent, as a Clifton strengths talent, it's pretty far down my list of 34. It's actually 20 of 34. And at the same time, throughout my career, I almost always receive praise for my ability to communicate. So in this case, what it is, is that there's a difference between Gallup's presentation of the communication 
talent versus what I was being reviewed for was my communication skill. And really, there are many skills that are absolutely critical for you to develop, especially if you want to move up in an organization. Even if those even if the talent, that same word, the, the same word like communication is both a skill and a talent, even if communication talent isn't very high, you need that communication skill to be successful in an organization. It, you know, communication really is a good example because it's probably the most critical skill you need as a manager, as a senior leader, as any kind of influencer within an organization. You really want to hone that communication skill. But that doesn't mean you need to have communication as a talent to be able to develop your skill. And I'm actually going to take us on a a little bit of a side detour because I want to teach you a really, really important concept about skill building. This comes out of the adult learning and adult psychology uh, literature, but it's, it's really important to understand. And what it is, is that there's a model around the four stages of skill competence. And it's based on the research into learning into the sorry, the psychological research into learning. Now, if you can kind of, if you can accept this model and really internalize it and apply it to your own learning without judgment, releasing your judgment, it truly can be powerful for you and your development. It will speed up your development so quickly. So the first stage is called unconscious incompetence. At this stage, it's when we're applying our intuition to a skill, to a task, to a situation, but unfortunately, it's the wrong intuition in a sense. So when we're in this stage, we don't even recognize that we don't know how to do something well, or we don't really think it's that important of a skill to develop. Now, this is one of the most, this is the most difficult stage to leave because it is very psychologically painful to recognize that we're not good at something. And especially if we've had a pretty successful career already, it's hard to, to kind of say to ourselves that, oh, we're not actually, we need to really work on the skill area. Um, it can, what can actually happen is it can send you in a bit of a catabolic tailspin, really. And that's a completely natural reaction. What's happening is your, is your brain is trying to keep you safe. I like to think of it sometimes like a Teflon pan. So, you know, when you're cooking and you've got a Teflon pan in front of you, whatever you're cooking just slides around. Like I think about cooking eggs when you're frying eggs on Teflon pan, you can kind of push it around the pan. Well, our brains do that when we're unconsciously incompetent. Your brain just, all of our brains do this. It just kind of slides around the issue because it doesn't want you to feel hurt. It doesn't want you to feel badly about it. So when you can let go of your judgment and you can be just completely neutral, open to growing, recognizing, hey, I am a total beginner in this and approach it from an anabolic place, then you're going to be in a really fantastic um, position to move into the next stage. And in that next stage, stage two, you recognize it's the, sorry, it's the conscious incompetence. And in this stage, you recognize that you need, you do need to develop a skill. And so you start actively developing the skill. Now, the thing is, is that in this stage, you're conscious of the fact that you're not fully competent And learning from your mistakes is a really critical part of this stage. And it's another part that's unfortunately pretty painful, especially for high achievers. So your brain, again, is going to go into Teflon mode. And it's your job, it's all of our jobs, to do that inner mental fitness work to be able to stay determined, be tenacious, and really focus and develop when you're in this stage. 
because our brains, they're going to start worrying, they're going to ruminate, and they're going to focus on what kind of mistakes we're making and get really stuck on the mistakes and feeling really badly about the mistakes. But in this stage, you really want to remind yourself you are in the learning zone. You're not in a performing zone. You're learning. Be, be an open learner. Be a beginner learner. Have a beginner mindset. Because the more you can embrace mistakes as an opportunity to learn, the faster you'll move to stage three. And in this stage, the other thing I want to point out too is that you're really going to be focused on building up a lot of knowledge about the skill and really starting to develop it. So remember back to those three investments, when you're at that stage two, you want to build your knowledge, you want to really be conscious of developing a skill. And that's going to help you move to stage three, which is conscious competent. So at this stage, you are, you're aware, you're quite aware of what you're doing, and you're competent of it. You are, you're competent at it. By this point, like you, uh, you know how to do the task, you know how to do this or perform the skill, and you can actually do it pretty well. You're actually pretty okay. You're pretty good at it, but it takes concentration and it often takes preparation too. So in this stage, you're going to be focused on developing the skill and practicing it, uh, practicing it skillfully, not just practicing it unconsciously, but practicing it skillfully. So for as an example, let's say that you've been working on having difficult conversations. You you first recognized that it was it was an area you really needed to work on. Then you started working on it. It wasn't so great at first, but now you've gotten to a place where you're like, okay, I, I can do these. But most likely you're spending a lot of time preparing for the conversations. You're thinking over the points you want to make. You're kind of rehearsing the conversation in your mind. And then during that conversation, you're focusing really closely on listening to the other person. Um, you might pause a lot while you're sharing your own thoughts because you want to make sure you're formulating it and you're phrasing it in the way that, that um, um, it does the best for that, that difficult conversation, right? That's your consciously competent. And most likely afterwards, after that difficult conversation, you feel completely drained, you are just absolutely exhausted because you have just spent so much mental energy focusing and doing a really great job. And what you're going to want to do is find a way to restore yourself. You might go for a walk, maybe do some yoga, uh, work on your breathing techniques, whatever it is that works for you as a restorative technique. You're most likely going to be using this when you're consciously competent and working on that skill. Now, once you've done that enough and you've really been deliberate, right? Thinking back to those, I don't know if it'd be 10,000 hours or not, but thinking about that concept of like deliberate practice, deliberate development. When you've really had a chance to do that, then you're going to get to, to stage four, which is unconscious competence. So when you get to this stage, you've developed, you've practiced a skill to the point that it really is second nature. It's easy to perform. You don't even think about it. You can do the skill even while doing another skill. So for example, if you are unconsciously competent at both listening and guiding conversations, you could do them pretty much at the same time. Switching back and forth between them is still technically task switching, but you could do both of them. And that's actually the hallmark of being a really skilled facilitator. So a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do you facilitate? What are the skills for facilitation? To be a good facilitator, you need to be good at both listening and guiding conversation simultaneously. 
So, um, and even going back to the difficult conversations example, if you are unconsciously competent at, a, at difficult conversations, it means that you have really worked at that skill so well to the point that you can walk into difficult conversations with maybe just a just a bit of prep. You probably still need to prep, but you are able to you're you're able to approach them with an ease. It's natural. It flows. So that's skill competence. Now. When it comes to developing our natural talents, remember that they are different from skills. So I'm gonna move on now and we're gonna switch back over to talents and we're gonna talk about the three dimensions of a talent. And this is because all of your natural talents are going to show up along three dimensions. Now the first is when you're using your talents, they show up either intentionally or unintentionally. So when you intentionally apply your talent, it's conscious. You're aware of what you're doing and you're deliberate in using your talent in that situation. Now, this can be very productive for two reasons. The first is that by being intentional, you're more likely to apply the talent skillfully. Now, second, it also gives you an opportunity to practice. And if you remember back a few slides ago, I told you that practice is one of the types of investments to move your talent to a strength. Now that said, for this dimension, you don't always apply your talent intentionally. You don't have to. Um, for one, it really does take extra energy and mental focus to apply your talent deliberately. So it would be incredibly draining to try to constantly work on your talents all day long. But also the, the stronger and the more comfortable you get with your natural talent, the more likely you are to use it skillfully, even when it's unconscious or unintentional. So this harkens back to that stage four of the skill with your natural talents. It can kind of be like that too. The more you work at it, the closer you get to that stage four where you're just sort of unconsciously applying it very productively. Now, the second dimension is the balcony or the basement. <laughs> when your talent shows up on the balcony, that's the phrasing we like to use in the strengths world. When your talent shows up on the balcony, that's when you're using it productively. And that's when the talent is an advantage. And that when it's like this, other people perceive your talent as a strength when it's showing up like this. On the other hand, talents can also show up in the basement. This is also called the shadow side of your talent. And it basically means that that same talent, it's in the basement when it's being mismanaged. And that's when it actually is more of a disadvantage and you can have a blind spots. So what's really interesting is that often when you get feedback about one of your weaknesses in quotes, usually what's happening is that your talent is showing up in the basement or you're overusing that talent and it's being perceived as a weakness. So I'll use one of my examples because one of my talents is competition. And when competition shows up on the balcony for me, it means that I'm motivated by benchmarks. I love to know how I'm doing, how my team is doing compared to other people, compared to others. I just like to know, I just, I really thrive on competition. But this can also show up in the basement if I get stuck in comparisonitis and I start feeling discouraged if I'm not doing as well as I thought I should be doing. So unlike the intentional, unintentional dimension, you really do want to practice and develop your ability to keep your talent on the balcony as much as you can and just being very aware when it's showing up in the basement. Then 
The third dimension is that your talents exist on a spectrum from raw to mature in terms of how refined they are. Now, raw talents, those are those you know that a talent is raw is raw when it's inwardly focused. They're the they're the talents that are focused on what you need to accomplish. Now, raw talents are also often inexperienced. Um, they often are unintentional and they are generally isolated from other talents. So on the other hand, refined talents, mature talents, those are outwardly focused. They're focused on what you provide or what you bring to a situation. They're intentional and they're integrated with other strengths. So going back to my competition talent, if you remember, I mentioned that when competition is on the balcony, it means I'm motivated by benchmarks. Now, that is also a description of when my competition is raw. It's focused on what I need from a situation. Now, on the flip side, if I were to organize a team event that involves a friendly game that has some kind of competition between people and as a, as a fun way to develop a team or for a team building exercise, that would be when I'm bringing competition to a situation. And that's a bit more of a mature version of that same theme. So there you go. There's an excerpt of a recording from my Powerful Presence Society, all about strengths. I hope you enjoyed it. And I really hope that it gives you something to work on and to start identifying what your top talents are, what your strengths are, and especially how you can develop your talents into strengths. So I would love to hear from you. Either leave me a review if you had any, if you had value in this episode, I would love to hear a review a review from you or send me a DM, send me a note. Would love to hear from you. And of course, I'd love to have you at the vision board workshop. Love to have you there. It's happening in March. It's March 26. And we're going to be spending three hours together, three amazing hours together. The whole focus is to get you clarity on what you really want. Because I hear too often from people, but they feel like they're settling for someone else's dreams, for their parents' dreams, for society's dreams, for a dream that maybe they they thought they needed to go for when they were a kid. And they're not, they don't feel like they go for their dream. And that's, if that's you, I would love to see you there. We're going to take the time and space to map out the ideal outcomes that we want in all aspects of our life. Plus you get access to me, a certified life and leadership coach, and I'll be there on the spot for support. I'm going to be guiding you the whole way. We've got different exercises. It's going to be so wonderful. And we'll do some on the spot laser coaching. So you'll be walking away with that handcrafted, personalized vision board, and it's all designed to give you confidence, energy, motivation that you're going to need to own your fantastic life. So make sure to sign up over at themintambition.com slash vision, and I'll see you there. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unruly Leadership Podcast. If you're looking for more support to have the career of your dreams, head on over to my website, themintambition.com, where I have loads of free resources from a career clarity do-it-yourself course to an imposter syndrome cleanse kit. 
I'm just so happy that you're here in my community. I want to see you succeed because I believe that everyone deserves to love their Monday mornings. Thank you and have a wonderful week.